0: Hey, welcome to the Summit Good Podcast. Wherever you're listening, we hope you're good and hope you've been enjoying the season of collaboration and local Swansea organisations so far. This week is one after our own heart, Abby from Big Meadow CSA on Gower. We got Abby on as she supplied our CSA with Veg last year when we couldn't supply enough, which was super generous of them. Big Meadow is currently one of three CSAs that run in Swansea alongside ourselves and Kaitan, and they're in their second season of growing in Fangenet. And they've got a beautiful vision that stretches beyond just grind to supply, but also grind to educate and inspire. We really enjoyed this catch up with Abby, and maybe things got a bit too relaxed as she let slip what she was really up to after our morning podcast at the field.
1: <laughs> what is your, what's your first job when you get to the field this morning?
2: I think I'm going to jump on a hoe. Ah, uh,
1: <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Please tell me
2: that was pre planned. <laughs>
1: Now, Big Meadow,
0: as well as Clatan and ourselves, are currently at full capacity with growing waiting lists, so unfortunately you can't immediately receive a box, but you can certainly get on that list ASAP or even help out on the harvest days every Thursday. There really is a need for more CSAs and growers in Swansea, so if you listen today and if something inspires you, then do get in touch and we can hopefully point you in the right direction. Anyway, let's get to it. Here's when Abby popped up the field for a Sunrise podcast with Kate and myself. Um... So, hello. <laughs> welcome, Abby. Welcome to the Summit Good Podcast. We are um, up at the field on a bright and early Tuesday morning. It's Tuesday, right? Um, Abby has joined us before she goes in to work. Thank you so much. Um, You're welcome.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, nice to have you. Good to have you here. Abby is one of um, three CSAs at the moment. Is there, is there a fourth? Is there possibly rumours of a fourth emerging. Yeah,
2: there's, there's a fourth in the pipeline, I think
0: nice and uh what is a csa abby before i explain what a csa is (laughs) (laughs) Um, you do that for me
2: so csa stands for community supported agriculture um and i guess it's a way of connecting people with their food in a more direct manner um so it kind of cuts out the middleman of the shops and the you know sort of big big suppliers um So people sign up as members and they pay, well, our scheme, it runs different ways for different people, but Big Meadow, um, people sign up as members, they pay a monthly membership and get a weekly organic veg box. And so for us, it means that we get a stable income every month. um, And for them, they get access to fresh organic veg that they can see growing in the field. You know, they can come and talk to us, ask how we're growing things. They can, you know, they've got a direct connection to how their food is grown. Nice. and does some of them does some of them come down and volunteer yep yeah so we've got quite a great core cool group of volunteers at the moment and they come uh, we have a Thursday group that help us pick and pack and harvest so they're you know they're picking the veg that goes in in their veg boxes in their neighbours' veg boxes um, and then we have a Wednesday group that do more kind of the growing side of things so lots of planting and weeding and watering and all of that kind of stuff
0: now how many members have you got is it quite a big CSA? <coughs>
2: Uh, we are up to 64 at the moment nice. um, and we're going we're taking on about 20 more so it'll be about 90 is our kind of capacity. Um, so for be, your
0: space that's like size yeah
2: yeah yeah I think so size and like um, human muscle power <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> there's only yeah there's only so much um, me and Laura the other grower can do. Um, you know, just by hand. So I think 90, we're going to cap it there and see how we go over the next couple of years. How big is the space you've got? Uh, So we're on two acres. Um, We've got a two-acre field that we rent off a farmer near Slingenneth. And um, we are on an outside cultivated area of about 0.8 of an acre. Um, And we've got two big polytunnels. We're getting a third this year. Um, So the whole growing space is about one and a half acres nice
0: and talk to us about that um talk to us about that process of how you found land and like working with that farmer so there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who are not just um well maybe just for like small holdings and personal use but actually people do want to have a go at growing veg or growing other things and they're just like how on earth do I ever buy land or yeah use land yeah What's it's definitely
2: like? a sticking point usually mm. like you might have really you know all the skills you need to grow food and to set up a business but often finding land is the hard part. Um, And I think for us, like I was just really lucky. Like I was in the right place at the right time. Um, And the farmer, so we rent the field off the Tyrrells, Alison and Andrew Tyrrell. um, And they had already... From the crisps? No, sadly not. Uh, No. Okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they had already heard about CSA because they work, um, they run an organic beef farm um, and they work sharing cows between um, they buy from Gerald Miles in West Wales who runs Coca which is like a another CSA in West Wales um, and Gerald is a big personality and a big advocate of CSA so I think every time they went down to talk cattle Gerald, Gerald would also talk about CSA and how great it is and you know this this really awesome model for sort of communities to have um, so it was sort of in the background of Andrew's mind and he heard about Kaitan, and when Tom set up um, Kaitan, he sort of was interested in that, but it was too far away for him to get a veg box. Um, so it just sort of sat in the background for a bit. And then I was at a meeting. Um, I was sort of at a loose end, really, after I finished working with Kai-tan. Um And I went to this funding meeting to kind of just be like, oh, I'm looking for something to do if anyone's got something that I could set up. Or, you know, I kind of I wanted a project, but I had nowhere to kind of to do it. And then luckily, Andrew was like, Oh, yeah, I've got some land actually. If you want to have a look, you might not want it. And I went to see the land and I was just <laughs> completely blown away. It's like the best organic soil on Gower, I think. And it's so really it was, beautiful. It's certified organic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's always Brilliant. been organic. So the soil is just like, wow. it's prime. It's great. You
0: it must have been buzzing.
2: I know. Yeah, yeah.
0: And you came in on 60 boxes, right? When you started, you were like, Bosch, two acres 60 straight off pretty much
2: yes it wasn't my intention like <laughs> it was terrifying like, I know. in my head I was like okay we'll start with 35 boxes and like that's load so we'll just see how it goes be really slow and da 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 and we started last year and it was the everyone was in lockdown and like after the first three weeks we were up to 60 And I was just like, okay, we need to stop now. because I Like we're up to 64 because I'm really bad at saying no to people. So like (laughs) four people just got in. (laughs) um, Yeah, it was really surprising. Like it was really easy to find members. I think partly because of the pandemic and partly because of where we are. Like we're quite rural, so there's not many shops around. Um, And I think it's just part, people are becoming a bit more aware now of where the food comes from and how it's grown and what's important to them like, as part of their community and I think CSA sort of fits that quite well
0: yeah and I guess your link you said you worked previously at Kaitan, right Mm -hmm. so it was it almost like born out of Kaitan, would you say
1: yeah
2: completely yeah and
0: so you're able to utilize I guess because they've got a massive waiting list I mean all the CSAs have a huge waiting list yeah it's almost nice and easy to have a pitch like, hey, we're doing a new one. If you're waiting, like yeah. jump onto ours. Yeah, totally. Support from that, right? Yeah.
2: And I thought originally I would be growing for their waiting list because we wouldn't have enough people locally. But it's just been the total opposite. There's too many local really? people that want it that we Amazing. haven't been able to supply the waiting list. Um, and do you guys have a um, an
1: area that people, is it like a fixed area that people can collect from or is it anywhere, do people come from quite far or?
2: Yeah so we have people pick up from the field so we've now got a veg shed in the car park where people pick up. We When we first started we just did it in this pop-up tent and when we'd set out all the boxes each week and sort of move them as the sun moved the shade, <laughs> just spent hours moving boxes about 10 centimeters <laughs> this way to I keep them that in tent the shade. Yeah, we still use it now for groups and stuff because it's really handy in this weather. Um, so, yeah, they pick up from the shed. And I think the furthest away people come is sort of Marina in town. Wow. Um, That's which, like a
0: 40 minute yeah, drive. Yeah, That's amazing. it's a trek. Yeah. Um,
2: and I'm really surprised that actually people were that committed to, you know, I thought, oh, it's because of lockdown and it's a nice excuse to get out for a drive, but they're still doing it. So, yeah, like I think they just really enjoy enjoy the whole, you know, the kind of connection to getting out to the field and seeing their food. And it's worth it.
0: Like, I mean, what's a forty minute drive once a week? Like, if you're if you're gonna save all that air miles of just going and buying stuff from wherever, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah,
2: totally. And a lot. We've probably got about ten people um, from sort of Sketty Uplands, Swansea Centre. Um, so they all club together. And it's pretty much one of our volunteers. She takes, she lives in in town, so she takes all of those and sort of distributes it into town. So we don't have to have everyone from town driving out to the field. Yeah. Um, So it works quite well in that sense.
1: And I bet it's been quite inspiring for some people to that live in more like urban, like in the city, to set up their own or grow, be growing their own or using their own space they've got in their back garden or using smaller spaces. Because obviously the Gower is beautiful and it's a huge like amount of outdoor space right Mm -hmm. whereas not everyone has access to that so have you seen or kind of heard of people um doing projects similar to what you're doing but on a much smaller scale in towns or cities whether it's wales or elsewhere
2: yeah well there's a couple in swansea so um there's the grow your own project you're probably speaking to them at some point maybe i don't know but
0: angie the room to grow stuff yeah yeah yeah, the room to grow
2: um so that's really cool. That's basically that, like people learning how to grow their food in their back garden as part of their neighbourhood, and you know, it's like spreading the farm out across different gardens, which is just it's amazing. Like it totally makes sense. um
0: And showing you can grow like anywhere. Yeah, you just need a few pots. You don't need a field or so. Like you yeah. just need the soil. You yeah, know? yeah,
2: for sure. And I think that's like the awesome thing about veggies. You can. It's kind of similar to cooking. Like you can get really technical and really into it and make it like super complicated and all of this stuff but fundamentally like the plant the seed knows what it needs to grow it knows what it has to do like you provide a few ingredients like a bit of soil and some water and sun and then step back and it's kind of you know the plant knows it all so you can get really detailed about it but fundamentally like it's a pretty simple process that you know it just wants to be it wants to grow
0: and where did this like passion for food and like growing food and agriculture come from is this like an early thing or is it developed like later on
2: um I think like there was definitely seeds planted yeah yeah, like my both my parents were quite you know my mum grew food when I was a kid um, and my dad's always been into gardening and you know it's always been like part of my life growing up like lots of outside space Um, and I kind of ignored it for about 20 years and then I lived in Bristol and I had an allotment And I pulled a carrot out of the ground, and just the smell that came out with that carrot, I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like you do not get this in a bag of carrots from the supermarket. Like it's a totally different thing. Um, so yeah, I was working as a photographer at the time in Bristol, and I sold my camera and all my kit, and I went to New Zealand on this quest to like learn about organic food production, and then yeah, it's sort of been since then, really sort of
0: amazing. So, did you work in New Zealand doing? Like growing at all,
2: yeah, yeah. So I i was woofing quite a lot. Um, and then I went, What's that? <laughs> <laughs> just, for, just for anyone water. that doesn't know, yeah, uh, it's willing workers on organic farms. So you go and you volunteer, you get your food and accommodation in return for like four or five hours work a day on a farm. But it's a great way to travel if you want to learn about all sorts of different ways of growing. And like, I did a permaculture design course, and I was sort of really like just hide from that like this is amazing this is going to change the world like it's the best thing um and that kind of energy just carried me around New Zealand um and I ended up I was in a community that I was going to stay for three weeks and I ended up staying for 18 months and as I was there the one of the main growers they left and they were like here's all the gardens for you to manage so that was a bit of trial by fire but um definitely learned a lot on the job
0: so you came back from New Zealand then, and did you link in with Kaitan? Because you're from you from Cornwall, Devaney.
2: Somerset. Somerset. Yeah, Somerset, lass. Um, so I came back from New Zealand, and then I moved to Scotland in the Isle of Mull. Of course you did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there I worked at this um, youth education centre called Camas, Um and I was the gardener there for two years. Um, so we had, like, a small garden where we'd grow... Um, food for the for the youth groups that would come in and sort of run food sessions and like get teenage kids kind of excited and inspired and also just a bit connected to how food is grown and where it comes from like we, I remember there was one kid that we were harvesting potatoes and he was like this is disgusting I was like dude this is, like you eat chips right? He's like yeah I was like well this is where chips come from like this is the beginning, he's like no it isn't and then so we harvested the potatoes washed them all off, made chips and like you know, to be able to go through that whole process with someone whose connection to food is quite, you know, there's a big gap. Like, I find that really inspiring and really just, like, you know, I, I get a lot of satisfaction from that. I wanted
0: want to bring that up because we... Because I got you on the podcast because you, as Big Meadow, had such an abundance of crops and we used your crops in with our CSA mm-hmm. when we didn't have enough last year. Um But every time I come down or... We meet up for some reason, some sort of networking, growing thing. What always comes through is like your passion for the educational side and the kids and the youth work, like which which was surprising for me in the mm-hmm. sense that like you set up a CSA and it's doing really well, super successful. I thought you were more like go 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 veg, and actually, <laughs> yeah. what's what's coming out and what I absolutely <laughs> love about you is that you're like you've got this side of you which is like I need to you want to teach people and you want people to like understand about growing veg and y- young people yeah. and you're trying to set something up at the moment right with using the the farmers like they've got bunk houses and stuff
2: mm-hmm. and yeah.
0: making like i don't know tell us a bit about what you want to do there
2: so basically what so one of the reasons i was also really excited about taking this field um renting from the tyrells is because they've got these bunk houses that they rent out for sort of groups to come on holiday And when I was leaving Scotland, I was like, oh, what am I gonna do? And I had this kind of thought in the back of my mind, kind of combining veg growing and all the sort of youth work that I'd done at Camas, like some of the outdoor activities, like taking them kayaking and building fires on the beach and kind of integrating food and sort of um, kind of holistic wellbeing, I guess, into it. And that thought was just parked in the back of my mind for a couple of years. And then I met Andrew and saw the land and I was like, this is where it could all, all these things are coming together. Um, So that's what we're doing this summer. We've got a group of 10 young people. We're working with Platform who are um, a youth, they sort of get young people referred to them um, from all across Wales. Um, So we had our first youth group in May and they came from sort of Port Talbot, Bridgend, Carmarthen, all over the place. And the idea is that they'll come to the field twice a week in the summer holidays and they'll learn, they'll, you know, they'll get hands on experience about growing veg and sort of um not necessarily the technical side of it, but more the like the joy that comes from lifting a carrot and then making a stir fry and eating it, you know, that just being connected to that whole process. Um, But we're also working with different sort of practitioners in Swansea to deliver different stuff. So um, we're hoping to get John and Aoife who who's been on your podcast to do some sauerkraut stuff for us um and different youth workers and some people from circus eruption and you know just to kind of give like a whole sort of um experience really like they're kids that just need some good stuff to happen to them and like Mm -hmm. you know we've got the space to be able to offer that to people
0: that is so good. That's I didn't really realise you were already cracking on. That's amazing. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it's and so going. are they
0: going to stay as well? Are they doing two days a week? Yes. Are you going to incorporate like a little staycation thing?
2: Yeah, they'll so have a staycation. <laughs> yeah. It will be at the end, so it will be a two-night staycation um, amazing. at the field, which, yeah, hopefully will be totally fine. I haven't done a youth residential for a while, so <laughs> I'm a little bit like, <laughs> Rusty. what have I let myself <laughs> in for? But That's... I think it will be great. You know, we can walk down to Congeneth Beach. We can go and do some like co-steering or just swimming in the sea, have a fire, make some pizzas and yeah, just kind of like round off the experience with a really like on a high. Um, and then the, the kind of big vision is to then those young people to plan for the next year's group and to kind of be mentors for the next group of young people that come awesome. in. That's the sort of big vision. Um, if we can get that happening, that'd be Awesome
0: nice and what do you need are there, are there things you need right now are you looking to partner with any other like groups on gower or
2: yeah definitely like i i what i really love about working on gower and swansea is that there's so many amazing people doing really amazing work that actually it's quite it's just so nice to join forces and to you know to share all of that knowledge um so yeah i mean i guess we're always looking for young people who want to have you know young people in need i guess that kind of looking for um an experience um to sort of get to be outside and do something practical you know the kind of rewards of that in itself are, are pretty good awesome and you know
1: you were saying earlier about the like wanting to close that gap between or connect people to like where their food's coming from and how often we are you know um Depending on, on on what your parents told you about food or your experiences growing up about food, really shapes your like adult life, doesn't it? Of like mm-hmm. your relationship with with um, whether it's fruit, veg, where you buy things from. Um, is there anything that you think that we can be doing collectively, like within communities, within society, to? like better close that gap or um initiatives that you've seen like the one that you're doing um that people can get behind and support or things they can do in their own neighbourhood with their own communities.
2: Hmm. Um, yeah I mean I think there's there's loads and loads of different stuff out there that's going on and like um I think this thing about connecting people together, like growing food is a great way to bring people together. You sort of you know everyone's learning as they go along but also you get to cook a load of food and eat it together at the end of the day. And that is like glue for communities and for people to kind of, yeah. you know, yeah. it's just amazing. Yeah. Like food round a table is like the best, you know, it's medicine for people, isn't it? And, um, so yeah, I mean, I guess like that's definitely something that if it wasn't the sort of COVID pandemic stuff, we would incorporate that a lot more at the field of our volunteers, like having a big shared meal and a shared lunch and, just a way to kind of have that social time after all the sort of hard graft that goes on. Um, But yeah, I guess as well, like getting kids, you know, if you can have like one food plant in your back garden, like peas or strawberries or something that you can just eat straight off the plant, like it's so satisfying and so delicious. And like for a kid, it's like nature's Haribo, you know, it's just like shove it in your face and it's yum.
0: Amazing. (laughs) Talking about... um, that hard graft I want to know f- about you and how you manage to stay intact <laughs> mentally <laughs> and physically because it's like the most physical like work out there in my opinion mm-hmm. like and it's I don't know it's just in the heat of the day I, I was out for only a couple of hours yesterday and was like exhausted and you were just doing it day in day out and there's no, you can't just not do it one week because no one gets food, right? So um, how do you <laughs> yeah. like look after yourself in all senses of the word?
2: Um,
0: <laughs> or do you? You might not. Uh, yeah, okay. You might collapse. you, okay. you like, okay. going to say there's George. like, there's an <laughs>
2: honest answer and then there's like the things I should be doing. Okay. <laughs> um, I think what generally tends to happen is like there's this cycles. And so like March, April, May, no, sort of, April, May, June,
0: mm.
2: like I come out the winter and I'm like, I do yoga and I go running and I'm in the sea all the time and I do whim halves and I'm like, I am yeah. ready for the season. <laughs> and then like two weeks in, I'm like, oh, sod that. i have a coffee and go. And like, I kind of drag myself through April, May, and June. And then by midsummer, I've kind of perked up again and like enough to sort of focus on those good practices. And, you know, I would say I get a good nine months of good good practice of like self-care and looking after my well-being and then three months of just utter chaos and like I you know you come home from the field and you cook some food and there's I'm just good for nothing like this
0: I can't do anything
2: staring, staring. yeah yeah just looking yeah. at the wall like oh I'll do that again tomorrow okay <laughs> but it is also a, you know it's a labor of love like there's a element of that kind of juggling all the balls and you know like with the project there's lots of different aspects going on But also with growing, like, you know, you never have the same day twice. Um, And I think that adds a lot of value for me. Like it's it's always different. You know, you might still be hoeing every day, but you wouldn't spend eight hours just hoeing. Like, you know, you can mix it up and kind of be a bit more dynamic. And also, like part of what really keeps me going is that we've got full autonomy about what we do, how we run the project um you know the decisions we make like sometimes that's hard because you make the decisions by yourself but sometimes it's just like i really value just being able to kind of let the project go in whichever direction it kind of is feeling like it needs to um and we don't have somebody sort of dictating down to us like you must grow 70 cabbages this year or you know you know whatever it's just it seems like a lot more sort of fluid process
0: it's quite free and i imagine like for Mm -hmm.
2: you nice Yeah, definitely.
1: And um, how do you like plan and keep track of everything that you're <laughs> doing? I mean, that is a lot, right? Of Excel. Of, uh, <laughs> like, what nuts. is your like? Yeah. Give us some, give us some top tips. Like, what, how do you how do you manage all of that? And the volunteers as well. There's a lot of mm-hmm. people coming and going, and just the logistics, right? Is big. It's a big operation. Yeah,
2: it does help that I'm quite annually organized. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs>
2: I'm just yeah,
1: like and color coding.
2: Yeah, I've got my crop plans are color coded, and I. Find I find it so oh. satisfying. And no one ever sees it apart from me, but I know. We're gonna attach coding... Abby's crop plans <laughs> <Yeah. to> the <laughs> podcast notes so you can
0: see.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's generally what happens is lots of stuff is like, I'll do that in the winter, I'll do that in the winter. And it's a great like there will come a time in the winter where I'm like, right, I'm ready. I'm ready to plan next year and then I'll just once I'm in the headspace then I can just like do all the crop plans, figure out all the kind of the growing logistics. And once that's done in the winter, I just trust this time of year, I trust in winter Abbey that she knew what she was doing. <laughs> and I don't second guess. I'm just like, that's what it says on this Excel sheet. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're going with. Um, yeah. And sometimes that works. And sometimes winter Abbey wasn't quite on form. She had a bit too much mold wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A bit sloppy. Yeah.
0: Going a bit like um, geeky on on like crop rotations. How do you, do you have a bit of a process on what you rotate or what groups you rotate
2: yeah so we're we're certified organic so we have to we have to include crop rotations in how we grow um and even if we weren't certified like it's good practice like um so we basically group everything into more or less family groups so we've got the brassicas which are the big heavy feeders and they take up about they take up more than their fair share basically of field space
0: and what Um, are brassicas for people who's
2: uh, so that's all the cabbage family. So cabbages, kale, Brussels sprouts, um, swede. There's broccoli in there. Broccoli's in there. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All of those kind of things. Um, and, you know, they're delicious. So they should take up their, more than their fair share, in my opinion. <laughs> they're <laughs> um, entitled. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're really good harvesters. Like they keep on giving crops for a long time. They can be quite tricky to grow some of them. Like, you know, getting a really nice head of broccoli or a really nice head of cauliflower. Like, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I don't have a good enough gardening, veg-growing brain to know know why. It just seems to be like, there's no rhyme or reason. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Someone out there does know why, um, but it's not me. (laughs) Answers on a pay scale. And we we can't afford to pay them, however much it costs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so we do use a crop rotation. And... Like sometimes like at the moment, the reason we stopped at ninety is that it gives us a bit of a buffer. So like this year, um one of the sections that had I think it was the squash last year is now just down to green manure for a full season, just to put the fertility back into the soil. What's green manure? What's that? Um so it's a living cover crop for the soil. Um so it's different plants that you grow one to cover the soil but also to feed back into the soil so some of them might have like um they might be nitrogen fixing so they bring up nitrogen they put it into the roots of the plant and then you um you sort of mow the top of the green manure and that all rots back down into the soil so you're sort of building facility through the use of plants rather than you know you can you know we do add compost and manures and things but this is another way to kind of let the soil recover a little bit. Um, so we're not harvesting any of the nutrients, you know, whereas if we harvest a cabbage, we're taking that fertility and in, in the form of a cabbage and putting it in a box. And, you know, we need to be able to put that back. Because um,
0: this is really important. A lot of people are bringing up um, the idea of g- veganism or like vegetables being a global thing. And actually, when you look at it, if we just grew completely vegetables on all of our spaces, we would strip the soil, right, of everything so quickly. If mm-hmm. we're not, then growing green manures and putting compost and animal manures back into the soil. Yeah,
2: are yeah, yeah. You, are you yeah, vegan? Sure. I'm not vegan. I'm vegetarian. Um, has
0: has setting up Big Meadow and, and going to New Zealand and these things changed how you view food and your, your diet choices?
2: Um mm I think I definitely I mean I eat a lot of fresh veg because because <laughs> I've got two acres of it <laughs> someone's gonna eat yeah. yeah yeah um but I don't I think I've always been pretty you know like I was brought up vegetarian so I mean I had that as my baseline anyway um and I think I've just I guess as I get older I get more into cooking and then that, that folds back into like, you know, the excitement of like, Oh, the kohlrabis are ready. What can we make with that? You know, it's, it's the kind of that closed cycle that I really like, um, about growing food. Nice. Yeah.
1: Do you guys have any, um, animals on the land sort of, for um, when you first went there to kind of clear it or cultivate it, or has it always just been for growing?
2: Um, it, so, Before we were on there, it was part of a big 16-acre field, um, which they used to graze their cattle and sheep. Um, And then the farmers fenced off a two-acre section of that field for us. Um, So since we've been on there, there's not been any animals. Um, Actually...
0: I saw a sheep last oh, yes. time I came. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're That's pretty a rogue animals.
2: Rogue sheep. <laughs> yeah. They like to jump that fence, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's not been any intentional animals. <laughs> we do have like hares and rabbits and those guys come in as well. Nice. Um, and I would love to get chickens and, you know, being able to cult, you know incorporate animals into the system because actually, like, I feel that they're part of the system. Like, it's part of a holistic way of growing. Like, animals add a lot um to to how we grow um but because i don't live on site it's it's not very practical you know if we have to shut the chickens away at night because of foxes and blah, 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 like it's just yeah it's not practical really for us nice and what's your uh, what are you
1: cooking at the moment when you get in from an epic epic <laughs> day real food choices yeah real food fu- yeah. real food what's your what's your plate um, I
0: want to know I want some plate? Uh... us the chef was like yeah. oh just beige potatoes <laughs> sausage <laughs> yeah, yeah. rolls <laughs> yeah. waffles. Yeah. do you know what
2: like last summer we would spend so Thursdays would be harvest days and there'd be like fresh organic veg all over the place and we'd giving out all these fresh boxes to all these people and they're like yeah this is amazing and then I'd just like crawl into the van and go to the chip shop and <laughs> just eat yeah. chips i think like, i don't want to see another kale plant yeah. right now
0: <laughs> Well, a typical thing is like volunteers turning up uh, apparently you got this a lot like on a harvest day to uh-huh. harvest their fresh veg and it's turn up with loads of cake yes. and you'd all eat cake <laughs> yeah, 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 and, uh, yeah. and then yeah. you'd go out and do the on it,
2: like our volunteer yeah. days run on cake yeah and, like occasionally someone doesn't bring it in and it's kind of this like Silence on the <laughs> tea table. What's like, the cake?
0: Some kale? <laughs> we munch on kale.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like post swims, isn't it? Go for a big swim in the sea yeah. and then just and then eat loads get... of biscuits and cake. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. the incentive
2: to kind of do the hard work in the first place. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Nice. yeah. yeah. Um, I, but I guess the things I like cooking, like at the moment, it's been lots of broad beans and peas and courgettes. We've got the first courgettes coming out the tunnel, mm. and I haven't eaten a courgette since last <laughs> summer. So, like, You know, I had some friends come to stay. I was like, guys, look.
1: (laughs) And they were like,
2: yeah, cool. You know, but if you eat seasonally, like these things are really exciting. Whereas, you know, you can buy them in supermarket all the time. It's like a cream egg, isn't it? Like it loses its value if it was here all year round. round. So, Yeah. yeah, I get really excited by like the seasonality of eating fresh food on
1: courgettes have you done anything with the flowers because we were picking some in the um tunnel the other day <laughs> and um identifying the male and female uh-huh. um flowers um and then talking about how you can stuff the flowers and yeah
0: this was typical like volunteers they all turned up they picked the flowers and were like we should do something with these flowers josh like gave me a load of flowers and i was like Br- brilliant thanks it was like <laughs> You should take them round to somewhere. I was like, I've not got time to take these. I gave some, some to flowers. my mum. <laughs> like, did you did you eat them up?
1: Um, I gave some to my mum, so I'll ask her. Nice, nice. Yeah.
2: I think it's quite a fiddly task <laughs> to do. Like, I love that people do that, but it's not my style of cooking at all. I'm do you do like-
1: any edible flowers?
2: Uh we do, but we mostly just for the bees. But yeah, I mean we've got borage and Marigold. Um, yeah,
0: yours is oh, actually coming down your first season was beautiful. You like filled your like edges yeah. of all your crops with flowers, didn't yeah. you?
2: Yeah, yeah, They're now the borage has self seeded in abundance, it's now <laughs> like a field everywhere. of borage, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I was like, oh, I'll be great, we'll just self seed and it'll be amazing. And you know, it is, but there's a lot, a lot of forage, so yeah, might have to like curb that a little bit this year.
0: <laughs> nice, and yeah. um, one of my <laughs> the most exciting things is you've just got a new dog.
2: Yes. Have you? Yes. Morris. 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 Oh.
0: Morris the dog. Is he, Um, how old was he when you got him? Was he young? Uh,
2: yes, he was 16 weeks when we got him. He's a
0: rescue, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so you've incorporated him in your life at the field. Yes. How's he settling to in? To
2: various degrees of success. <laughs> <laughs> he, it, he's settling in really well. Yeah. It's been like another level of kind of stuff to do on top of a busy season already i was like well the timing of this wasn't you know perfect um but he's great like he's he's getting to know the volunteers that's been a kind of slowly introduced he's quite nervous of new people so getting him to sort of feel confident at the field has been um he's getting there he's definitely getting there um it's been a bit of a journey for him and me (laughs) why morris because uh, the rescue centre called him Boris, and I was like, nah.
0: <laughs>
1: Not on my phone. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. I understand.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, um, what is there anything else in the pipeline for Big Meadow? Obviously, there's enough going on at the moment with your boxes, and you're expanding them, and the youth work, which mm-hmm. I'm really excited about, but anything else happening apart from... You
2: Maintaining um, your life? I, <laughs> yeah. uh, what I kind of realised, what I really love is having lots of people at the field and we've got our volunteers, which is amazing. Um, and I, when I set up Big Meadow, I always had the intention in my mind that it would be run as a co-op, so more of a growers co-op. And at the moment, it's sort of me and Laura um, and we share the workload and we divvy out the tasks and stuff. Um, but actually, I would, I've been hashing out a plan to try and employ someone you know, a couple of days a week next summer. So, we, you know, the workloads, you know, all of the aspects of Big Meadow kind of spread across a few more people because at the moment it's kind of a lot of the office, well, all of the office stuff is in my mind. And actually it doesn't need to be like that. And I can, you know, I think if we did it more cooperatively, mm. it would function and kind of move forward in a more um, open, you know, be more open for different things to come in. Um, so, yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite looking forward to sort of, hopefully being able to employ someone else and um yes yeah. yeah, sort of expand a bit more that way like bring in some new ideas and uh, you know
1: and how can people find out more about you So when that opportunity comes up or you're looking to maybe recruit people or bring other volunteers or staff on board how can people find that
2: um so we are on facebook and instagram Meadow csa um, we are in the process of making a website, but it's one of those things that waits till the winter now.
0: <laughs> winter Abbey. Yeah. 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 Winter <laughs>
2: Abbey will do that. Um, so yeah, mostly just Facebook and Instagram. I'm not the most social media savvy person. So if anyone wants to do our social media, great. <laughs> Come along. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, yeah.
1: And people can reach out to you and get in touch there.
2: Yeah. 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 For sure. They can just send a message or uh, we've got a Gmail, bigmeadowcsa at gmail.com.
0: Awesome. awesome. Hey, points. thanks for joining us, Abby, yeah, and insane. giving us yeah. your, your morning. And we just wish you all the best with Big Meadow going forward. Thank you. And have a nice Tuesday day harvesting. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to this month's episode. If you want to get in touch with Abby, then I'll leave her contact details in the show notes and go drop her a line. And I hope you all have a wonderful week, whatever you're up to. And
2: remember to grow something good.